Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you for joining me for the next episode of the Brahma Viharas Loving Kindness. That's a little bit off there. Let's see if I can fit that in. Okay, here we go. Beautiful. Perfect. I fired my camera crew, so there you go. Uh, but I gotta hire some new people. <laughs> Just kidding. It's all me. Uh, so, um, Brahma Vihara's loving kindness. This is a question and answer uh, session. I received some uh, pretty important questions that I think uh, would be good to address. Uh, and so, I'm really offering the guided meditations on loving kindness, and for this week or so, we're working on specifically loving kindness for ourselves. Remember, loving kindness always start with, starts with ourself, and we cultivate a good basis, foundation of loving kindness for ourselves, and then we begin to extend it to others. So I'm actually not going to be doing any meditating with you all today. I was meditating uh, just a few moments ago, uh, right before we started. So I'm in the zone, uh, and I hope you are too. You can take a few moments to feel your breath, just to rest. And allow yourself to open to the words that I'm offering. This is uh, something of a Dharma talk on the topic of loving kindness. So the first question I would like to address is what do I do if I start to experience some uh, intense emotional reactivity during a meditation practice? And so the idea is we never really want the meditation to become too emotionally intense. And so I use this diagram here, I have props today. <laughs> and I hope you all can see this and try to get both cameras at the same time. Uh, so in the middle here, it's three circles. In the middle circle is the comfort zone. Try to get that a little closer here. I guess I didn't think of the prop idea too well. Uh, and then in the second circle, we have the challenge zone. And then the outside circle is too hot. And try to get that, that up here. I think on my phone, it's in reverse, unfortunately, and backwards. So uh, we'll just use the one here. So we have the first circle, the smallest circle, that's the comfort zone. We have a second circle on the outside, that's the, the uh, challenge zone. And then the outside circle is too hot. And so in meditation, we basically really want to ideally stay pretty much in the comfort zone and then make small visits to the challenge zone. This is hard when it's in reverse. <laughs> I'll put that down. Maybe that's more distracting. So the idea is to stay in the comfort zone in meditation. The comfort zone, uh, it hopefully is aspects of the present moment. Uh, for many people, the comfort zone is the breath, and just feeling the breath. Uh, for many people, the breath is a little bit um, challenging. So for those people, I recommend starting with the sounds or, or using the sounds of the present moment to ground your awareness uh, into attention. And just to establish a base of awareness awareness in that comfort zone. And then we offer 
the phrases of loving kindness from that comfort zone into our own heart. Now, ideally, each phrase might allow us to visit the challenge zone. And we, we might see some things uh, as we offer the phrase of loving kindness to our heart. Uh, we might have some insights and closing down uh, to our own uh, loving kindness, how we're resisting loving kindness in our own life. Or we might offer the phrase to our heart, we move from the comfort zone to the challenge zone, and we see how we open and embrace uh, the aspects of loving kindness in our life. Now what can happen is we go past the challenge zone into the too hot circle. That's the outer circle. There, uh, you see it here. So too hot, right? We don't want to be in the too hot circle. Uh, when we get there, that's, and you'll know when you're there. Oftentimes I get the question, how do I know when I'm in the too hot zone? Uh, you'll know because your body will start tensing up, uh, your shoulders might clench, your jaw might clench up, uh, you might start crying. Uh, you just kind of shut down to the practice. You're, now you're resisting the practice. Uh, and that's not conducive to meditation. Uh, some people actually feel like, oh yeah, you know, I'm really getting a lot done, I'm, you know, crying and feeling all this stuff. It's not really conducive uh, to uh, feeling what the meditation practice has to offer. So when we get into that too hot zone, when we start to shut down to the practice, maybe a lot of tears, body's tense, very clenching up like that, uh, come back to the present moment. You can let any visualizations go, let the phrase of loving kindness go, just feel the breath or hear the sounds. Uh, you your feet against the ground, feel the clothing on your legs, the weight of your body in the cushion or chair and so forth. Using the physical sensations and the sounds to bring your awareness back to the present moment. And then once you're back in the present moment, you'll notice the body starts to soften. Uh, any of the anxiety that might have arisen, any of the sadness or the fear or the anger that might have arisen uh, in that too hot zone, tends to then subside. Now at that point, you can resume the practice again if you wish. If we hit the too hot circle uh, more than once, if we go there twice, so you get upset, you come back to the present moment, feel good, you start the practice again. If you get upset again, that really should be the end of the practice for that day. Take a break, take a walk, have something to drink, a cup of tea, uh, whatever, come back to the practice when you feel fresh and settled like that. Quite important. So in this way, we start to be able to monitor our own uh, comfort level in the meditation practice. And I mentioned this in particular to loving kindness practice, but it really uh, holds true in all types of meditation. Uh, whether it's present moment, just breath meditation, sometimes things can come up. Uh, now, the reason why I talked about it here with loving kindness is uh, loving kindness practice, all of the Brahma Viharas, compassion practice, uh, joy, equanimity, they're all emotion-based practices. So as we go into meditation that deal with our emotions, uh, sometimes things around and things come up like that. So very important to be able to, to recognize what that feels like 
step back from the practice, take a break if you need to, or at least come back to the present moment, ground your awareness back in the here and now, and then move forward from that place again like that. Uh, so that's quite important. Okay, now I'll talk about the benefits of Meta. I have another prop, but I hope it works for the camera. I wonder if you guys can see this. Is it in? I think it's backwards on my phone, which is going to my Facebook page. But this is for the New Life page. Is going here. Uh, so you you have the eleven benefits of Meta and a nice, beautiful photo of Kuan Yin, there, uh, the goddess or uh, Bodhisattva or goddess of compassion, in the Buddhist tradition. Now the eleven benefits of Meta, as I just showed you here, uh, these are. Gosh, I'm really bad at this. Sorry. These were given <laughs> by the Buddha himself just after he gave the discourse on loving-kindness. Now, I'm attempting to give these teachings in a very secular way. Uh, but that being said, I am going to read through these 11 benefits of metta, 11 benefits of loving-kindness as given by the Buddha. But then as we go, I'll, I'll unpack them and I'll try to give them in a, in a secular fashion so that uh, the 21st century practitioner, which we all are, uh, uh, these can be applicable for our life and our practice. So the 11 benefits of metta, of loving kindness, are as follows. The first one, uh, you will sleep easily, and the second, you will wake easily. And this is so because when we take up a practice of loving kindness, uh, you know that voice that hangs up, uh, hangs out up here, you know, as you put your head on the pillow, that voice that says, oh, I wish things had gone this way, or I should have said that, or maybe tomorrow I'll do it this way, and I have to go shopping, and I have to do this at the business meeting. <laughs> that voice tends to get quieter as we take up a practice of loving kindness. And you'll notice, you might have noticed already, that it's the same voice in the morning. You open your eyes, Oh, what a strange dream I had. Wow, that was really weird. I wonder why I dreamt about that person. Oh, I got to make eggs, and now I got to go take a shower, go to the business meeting. Same voice, right? That voice tends to subside. So our sleep, we sleep easily, and we wake easily. We don't have that voice there any longer. That's waiting for us when our eyes open and is right there when we put our head on the pillow. Uh, the third benefit, you will have pleasant dreams. Well, this is so because, well, we have nightmares because we experience something throughout our day uh, that our body, our mind, and our heart couldn't quite process. And so we go to bed at night and our mind, our body creates a platform for us to process that event or that visualization, whatever it was that caused us that stress that we couldn't quite process a nightmare. But the practices of loving-kindness allow us to open more easily to the present moment experiences. So things that would have brought us stress in our life, uh, we, we process them much easier. So we don't carry them with us uh, to our bed to create nightmares. So uh, the third benefit, you will have pleasant dreams. Beautiful. The fourth benefit is people will love you. And I have a story about this, uh, but it, 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 there's actually a scientific uh, uh, 
documents on this now. When people practice loving kindness or when people uh, resonate a frequency of loving kindness, the other people near them start at that same frequency. It's called limbic resonance. And so we have scientific proof that this happens now. When, when people are happier, when people are resonating a frequency of loving kindness, other people around them start to vibrate at that same frequency. It's very much like if you play an instrument, like a stringed instrument, like a cello. If you bow that cello, the other cellos and the other instruments nearby will start vibrating at that same frequency. It's the same way. If you allow your heart strings to vibrate at that frequency of loving kindness, the heart strings near you start vibrating in that way. So people will love you. Okay, number five and six, devas and animals will protect you. Okay, so devas in Buddhist cosmology and mythology are guardian angels, more or less. Now, you might not buy into the idea of guardian angels, and that's fine. Uh, what this is pointing to is the idea that the happier we are as individuals, the more loving we are as individuals, the easier our life tends to unfold. Now, there are studies done on this as well. Uh, Harvard Medical teamed up with uh, the American Medical Association uh, from the years 1992 to 1996, and they designed what's now known as the Positive Psychology Studies. And in these studies, they actually studied happiness. And what these studies showed, um, well, they showed many, many things that I don't have time to go into today. But one of the things that they showed, which pertains to this presentation, is that people who reported to be living in a happy state, well, their life seemed to unfold for them in a rather effortless way. Uh, things seemed to come to them without much effort. Uh, if they were superstitious, uh, they might have said the stars were aligned. Or if they were particularly religious, perhaps they would have said, God was on my side. And so this five and six here, devas and animals will love you and protect you. It's kind of pointing at this same idea that our life, it almost seems like we have guardian angels watching over us. That our life seems to unfold in this effortless way. Number seven. External dangers such as poisons, weapons, and fire will not harm you. Okay, here's why I have to put the warning label on this presentation. If you're in a house that catches fire, don't start meditating. <laughs> or if you're walking down an alley, a dark alley in the middle of the night, and somebody points a gun at you, don't start practicing loving kindness. But what this number seven here, external dangers will not harm you, what this is pointing at is the idea that the more we take up a practice of loving kindness, the less likely it is we'll find our, ourselves in a place where we're threatened by external dangers. Number eight, your face will be radiant. Well, what do you think? I know, I gotta shave, but still pretty radiant, right? <laughs> uh, your mind will be serene. I don't really have any way to prove of my mind. I've been practicing these uh, practices for many, many years. 
And I have noticed a marked difference in the serenity and the quality of my own mind. So I hope you can take my word for that. Uh, number 10, you will die unconfused. And this is so because as we practice loving-kindness practices, as we practice these metta meditations and all of the Brahma-Vihara meditations, um, we cultivate this serenity of mind, as the last one was pointing at, and we get so grounded in that calmness, that serenity, that we can take that serenity with us to our deathbed. And so we die in, 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 a, in a state of serenity, rather in a state of confusion. And the last one, you will be reborn in happy realms. And I think the actual, the traditional uh, phrase is, you will be reborn in the Brahma realms. Now, uh, this is pointing at the very common uh, Buddhist uh, worldview of rebirth and reincarnation. Now, many of you uh, may not believe in reincarnation or rebirth, and that's fine. These practices uh, one can do through any belief system. So it's not necessary to believe in reincarnation or rebirth to practice the Brahma Viharas. In fact, the Pali word, the Sanskrit word, Pali is the language that the Buddha spoke, and the Sanskrit word, uh, Kukamvara, that's the word for uh, rebirth, Kukamvara. Now that word is often translated also as repetitive existence. And I really like that interpretation. So we can read this, set, this last benefit here. There will be no more repetitive, repetitive existence. And that, that has a different flavor to it. So let me explain that for a moment. So if I make this moment a happy moment, a moment filled with loving kindness or metta, uh, that predicates the next moment. And so that moment will have loving-kindness infused in it or predicated by loving-kindness, and that influences the next moment. And so we will be reborn in happy realms. It, there will be a happier repetitive existence like that. So the next moment will be happier, then the next moment will be happier, the next moment will be happier. That's the 11th benefit of loving-kindness, that we cultivate uh, this way of being in the world that's more open, more accepting, more loving, more generous, more kind. That's the 11 benefits of metta as given forth by the Buddha. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I do like to give these teachings in a secular way. Uh, these practices can be done by anyone uh, of any faith, any religion, any walk of life, uh, atheist, agnostic, uh, doesn't matter. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, now, of course, these practices were designed by the Buddha, and so I do have to go back to the early Buddhist texts if I want to draw from the source. Uh, but that's the only reason uh, that I bring any flavor of any religion into these, except to... And, unless I'm trying to bring inspiration for loving kindness. And I think that's important. So uh, I want to talk about the actual phrases of loving kindness. I, had, I got a question about 
um, you know, when I'm offering these phrases, there's some confusion about how the phrases are worded, why are they worded this way, and so forth. So, start at the first phrase, and we'll go through them uh, briefly through each phrase, and we'll wrap up. So the first phrase, may I be happy. And so the idea here is to really remember a moment that we were truly happy in our life. It might just be just that one moment, but nothing else, there was no darkness. It was just this pure happiness, this pure joy, this pure wonder. We then visualize what our life would look and feel like if our whole life unfolded in that emotional state. Now, of course, people will say that's impossible. Your mind, your heart might say that'll never happen. Doesn't matter. When we visualize that happening, when we visualize our life unfolding that way, we recognize how wonderful that feels. And so the real change occurs then when we go out into our everyday life and maybe we encounter a situation uh, that we're interpreting to be uh, not happy or unfavorable. But we remember from our meditation practices how wonderful it feels to be happy. And so we say, well, maybe I can offer that to myself now. And we shift our interpretation of what's arising. Now, that might only seem possible to the most trivial interpretations, like the rain falling. And we start there. The soup is too cold. We start with the trivial things. And we just shift how we see that. The rain is falling but it sounds lovely and I don't even have to go outside today and that's beautiful and I'm happy. The soup is too cold, so an opportunity to talk to my very friendly waiter and say, hey, do you mind uh, reheating my soup? It's just a little too cold. I'm happy. And so we start to, to uh, go through our life uh, recognizing how lovely it feels to be happy all the time. And so we start just to make minor adjustments in our life that we can feel that more and more easily and more and more frequently. The second phrase, may I be healthy, same thing. Visualizing or really remembering, touching in uh, with, it could just be a moment, a second in your life when you felt incredibly healthy. And then imagine your whole life unfolding in that healthy state. What that, what that would look like, what that would feel like. And then we start to, you know, once that really settles in and we start to really feel that, we start to make adjustments in our life that accommodate that type of health. Now, that could be physical health, it could be mental health, it could be a healthy meditation practice, it could be healthy relationships or healthy boundaries. And the wonderful thing about loving kindness practice is that it continues to fluctuate. It continues to change. It is a part of the ever change. <laughs> uh, and so uh, 
I've been doing these practices since 2000, 2001, really 2004 was when I really dove into these practices. Um, and they continue to change and continue to bear different fruit uh, year after year after year. And so uh, that's one of the places that I myself have seen a lot of fluctuation because health can look different and feel different uh, as it moves, uh, as, as I grow, as I mature. Uh, health means different things. Same thing with happiness. It can mean different things in different times in your life. The next phrase. May I live a life of peace without struggle. Beautiful. So again, imagining or visualizing a moment in your life where there was no struggle. It was, you're absolutely at peace with that moment. Could just be a second in your life. You were on the beach in Maui, in Bali, or you were you know, in, on the mountaintop somewhere. Nothing nothing but peace in that moment. Then imagine your whole life unfolding in that way. And whatever you encountered, you were able to be at peace with it. And so when that really starts to sink into the heart, we start to notice the little things that we struggle against aren't really worth it. <laughs> and it, again, it usually starts with the trivial things like Where's my remote control? Oh, I can't find my remote control. And you start to go into this huff, right? There's struggle there. We don't really need to struggle about that, right? And so we start to let those things go. More and more, we peel off the struggle because we recognize in this meditation practice, it shows us how wonderful life can be free from struggle. Beautiful. May I open to things just as they are. Quite similar to living a life free from struggle, right? May I open to things just as they are. I have found this phrase so profound in the current world crisis. May I open to things just as they are. So challenging to do right now, right? But again, remembering a time in my life where it wasn't so challenging where I was really a lot of peace in my life, what that felt like. And then what would it feel like if, if I could turn on the news and simply open to whatever arose? What would that feel like? Wow. That's something to strive for. So really cultivating the ability to open to life because what's, what's the alternative? Struggle. How much different is the outcome after that struggle? And so, may I open to things just as they are. Because I know, I've seen in the meditation practice, and I've seen in my life experience, it makes very little difference in the outcome. May I experience the world opening to me just as I am. Wow. <laughs> and if you've ever been discriminated against, uh, you know how profound 
this phrase actually is. And so really remember a moment in your life where you felt like maybe it was a family member, a dog or a cat, perfect. They, a dog opens to you just as you are, right? You come home and the dog is there, happy to see you no matter what. <laughs> uh, and then you leave the room, you go take a shower, you come back out, the dog is even more happy to see you. <laughs> Cats too, they, they, they light up as soon as you walk in the room. Uh, so a pet is really wonderful for that, or, or a really uh, non-judgmental family member, somebody who really sees you, or a friend like that, or a community that sees you. May I experience the whole world opening to me just as I am. When you take that moment in your life and you visualize your whole life and the whole world opening to you in that way, there would be, there would be nowhere to hide or nothing to hide and any sense of hiding would be futile. <laughs> it would be an exercise in futility. Uh, and wow. Wow. And the last phrase, may I welcome whatever arises. And so here again, you can remember a moment in your life where everything was just there and you could just welcome it in. Maybe it was a uh, the first snow of winter and you just walked outside and you can welcome the crisp cold air against your skin the fresh snowfall or maybe diving into the ocean after a hot summer day at the end of a hot summer day feeling the ocean refresh your body the salt replenish your body welcoming that experience with open arms and an open mind open heart what if you could welcome everything that arises in that way? So really visualizing, imagining what your life would look and feel like if we could welcome whatever arises. Now this is again another very, very challenging thing to do in this current world climate, right? We're quite challenged as a race, the world. But the alternative to welcoming in whatever arises is resistance, right? And so if we resist what's happening, well, there are certain world leaders who resisted what was happening. And now we see that their country is in very, very bad shape. Resisting to what's arising is a something of a denial of the present moment. So welcoming what arises, it doesn't mean we condone it. Doesn't mean we we say yes, this is okay behavior. It means we welcome it in to our heart, and now we can work with it. We welcome in the poison, and it becomes medicine.
And so I think that's all I wanted to say. That's my talk today on the Brahma Vihara's loving kindness. Uh, I will be back tomorrow, and I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'll probably do another guided meditation uh, on the loving kindness for ourself. Uh, this whole week is loving kindness for the self. Uh, if I get some more questions in that I feel are uh, pressing and need addressing right away, uh, please uh, send those questions over. And, and if I do get questions like that, I will answer those questions tomorrow uh, rather than meditation. So it's kind of up in the air. And as uh, most of you all know, I, I don't prepare for these too much. I just kind of go and wing it. Uh, and uh, I hope you all find it of benefit. And that's really the idea here is I really, um, I'm hoping that my contribution online adds some light, uh, at least some entertainment, if not some wisdom and compassion to the current world crisis. And we will get through this together. Much love, much metta, be well, be safe. See you tomorrow.